0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. Christine Dobrocki is a guest. Super excited about her story. We had a great convo. It went a little long because we had so much to talk about. So we split the episodes into two. So you're hearing part one of two today. And hopefully, part two will be coming soon. So make sure you subscribe and you'll get a notification as soon as that one is in the universe. Okay, enjoy to the recovery hour podcast where we choose to recover out loud never a
1: dull moment by sharing our personal stories of inspiration we're the fucking best in the world Oh, i don't think i've ever shared this with somebody and triumph
0: i don't either and so i'm usually at i was uh, it's just it's been kind of my life is a a mess right now. Together, we can help heal the world. We can end the stigma and shame typically
1: tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction.
0: Any good man would be like, you're
1: fucking crazy. I want nothing to do with you. We are proof that recovery does happen.
0: Joy and laughter may be involved. (laughs) This is The Recovery Hour with Lori Windfeld. You can hear me okay? Christine Brockie is here. The Recovery Hour. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that you said yes to this because I'm a little fan girl. I have just to give the listeners the background; they know I'm super involved in She Recovers because I am a recovery coach and I am a designated She Recovers coach. And with that, um, we get to meet really cool people. Christine happened to be one of those really cool people that I haven't met in real life yet but I feel like we're sort of bonded. We've shared a lot of stuff in the last few months. With that, Christine has shared her recovery story in private and I have coerced her to share that in public so we can help heal the world and show everybody that recovery does happen and we're still fucking awesome. Yes, we are. Does that sound about right for you?
1: (laughs) Yep. We're the fucking
0: best in the world. The best in the world, bitches. So we're going to talk about A lot. We have eating disorder discussion. We have, this really hit me. I was following fangirling on, um, what do we call those little, I'm not a troll because I wasn't being mean, but I was like, what is she talking about now? You're a writer. You have like all these deep thoughts that you just write that shit out and send it. And like, it's out there. And I love seeing that part of you. Um, one of the things that I was really excited about was a picture of you in a very teeny weeny itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, not so yellow polka dot bikini. If there was polka dots, you couldn't see them because it was too fucking small to even put polka dots, right? <laughs> and and I I love it when I have a connection with my guests because I once did a bikini fitness competition. So I say bikini fitness competition. It was a fitness competition, but they have different levels and I was in the bikini. You looked like you were in a different level because you were like buffed out. What yes. were you, what were you doing?
1: Um, so the States in Canada is very similar with the sport, but yes, there is like bikini, what you're explaining, where there isn't so much leanness in muscularity. And then my category is considered figure. That's so it's, what it was. Figure. Yeah, yeah. Figure. So it's between bikini and bodybuilding figures in the middle of it.
0: Which is insanity because I'll tell you what I did that for one time, one and done and the amount of working out and thinking about food and my relationship with that and measuring things and, oh my gosh, I can't wait until we dive in and you tell me all about that. Because I went into that with a healthy mind about food and exercise and and my end goal was not competition. My end goal was to just be like, shit, I did it. Look at me go. <laughs> So I can only imagine, like if I, what my was going through mentally then, if that was like truly a goal of mine to get through at the end. So we have that to talk about. We have, um, oh my God, Christine rides a motorcycle, not like on the back of it and holds on to her <laughs> tightly, but she actually drives that bitch. Can't wait to. <laughs> She rides a motorcycle. I'm so excited to hear about that. What else do we have? Oh, the, we're going to talk about the easing disorder. I got all melancholy about that, but you're in recovery. You're working your recovery plan there. And then and what else did we have? Oh, shit. The one and like dating in recovery. I can't even, first of all, date at this age. I don't know how old you are. It's still not 20. <laughs> <laughs> what I do know is it's not dating at 20 different worlds. And um, again, so I can just, I'll stop talking in a second and let my um, guest actually speak, but how I connected to this, just so you know, Christine, if we need to go at the, at the end of this and find you a man, I did once own a dating service. Ooh, (laughs) you can imagine that. So I was a matchmaker for a hot minute in my life. So when we're done with this, we might have to discuss where we're at with any hotties or potential soon to be, or is the door open for Christine to meet a new man? Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. How are you feeling? You good? Oh yeah, I'm excellent. What do you want to jump into? Uh, where to start? Exactly. How about just like, um, you know, you sort of growing up, like what was it like for Christine to be... A teenager. Now, have you always lived in Canada? Yes, born and raised. So uh, my childhood was pretty good. Um, I'm the
1: youngest of three, two older brothers.
0: Mm, that explains the motorcycle.
1: Yeah, and it explains a lot now that I look back. You know, they kicked the shit out of me. I needed to have alligator skin. Um, I went through a period of being a tomboy, but then being teased for that by my peers. So I did gymnastics and dance and it just, it didn't feel natural to me. And then I got into more of the rough and tough. Um, I played hockey because I wanted to feel like I fit in with my brothers and their friends. So I did traveling hockey. I did track and field um, from a young age. And then, you know, I never really struggled with my weight until puberty hit. So I've always been active. Um, which I guess is my saving grace. But um, when it came to food in the house that I was raised in, I was allowed to have any type of foods I wanted. So, you know, the pizza, the ice cream, came from like a European background with grandparents who, you know, if you didn't eat at all, they would get offended with, you know, why aren't you eating everything that's on your plate? So yeah, my childhood was really good. And I always, always was fascinated about exercise. So I guess I'll go into how that all started for me was um, I got bullied at a younger age for being on the more plump and bigger side. I actually remember being developed before my peers and thinking, oh my gosh, like my friend's, don't have boobs,
0: but I do. What do I do about this? Right. So now you're a plump little girl with boobs playing hockey.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, I don't think I've ever shared this with somebody, but I remember wearing a sports bra and duct taping my boobs so that I was like flat. I wanted to be flat. Okay.
0: Oh my God. We're completely opposite. My, my younger cousin at the age you're probably talking about literally, this is, I will never forget this. I love that you never shared that. I'm going to share something. I don't know that I've ever shared. My youngest girl cousin says to me when I'm in like probably sixth grade, I've seen bigger lumps in oatmeal. (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, you can't because you're trying. So, and it isn't, that so crazy. Like We're living the complete opposite life, but having the same feelings about ourselves. You want to be flat. I want to be plump. I love how you said plump. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just the first word that came to my mind. It's awesome. Yeah. And it just because we're on this topic, um, it's... If people see my pictures, it's pretty obvious. So over the years, um, I also struggle with body dysmorphia, which is a very serious mental health issue as well, um, and I'm in recovery for that as well. But uh, through the years of uh, extreme exercise and dieting, obviously my body fat levels had gotten to an extreme low. So two years ago, I actually did get breast implants. So it's interesting when I catch myself saying, you know, at one point in my life, I was duct taping my boobs, boobs flat. And just two years ago, I was like, oh, no, I want that plump boob back, right? So... Anyways, so back to the story. Um, So when I was 15, I got my first gym membership at the local YMCA. And that's like a community gym. And I remember my mom coming to pick me up and I was waiting at the front door. And there was a fitness magazine on the table. And I remember picking up that fitness magazine and just being in complete awe. I never wanted to be that skinny girl because I knew that it wasn't in me. I knew my genetics. I looked at the females in my family. And when I saw fitness in muscle and curves at 15, that was my dream. But at the back of my head, I was like, there's no way I could ever accomplish that. So the seed was planted about fitness when I was 15 and I had my first gym membership. And I just continued going to the gym I think to deal with the bullying, you know, like being on the bigger side, playing girls hockey, it was a way for me to manage my anxiety and feeling like a lot of my girlfriends were just that skinny, pretty girl dating and that just wasn't me. But if I felt like if I was kept going to the gym, maybe I could be Something like them.
0: Yeah. So, what were you experiencing when you you've you've said bullying several times? Was there something specific that you experienced that really stuck with you that you were trying hard to get away from when it came to that? Yes. And you know what? I remember exactly
1: who the boy is. Um, of course, it's a boy.
0: I was just thinking that. I'm like, God dang it! I was thinking it was a girl because we're such mean bitches. But no, it was a fucking boy. It was a boy, and I re- oh man, I remember him. And if, you know what? If I ever crossed
1: his path, I'd probably share this story with him. And he probably doesn't remember, right?
0: Zero chance that he knows he's affected someone for a lifetime, which is why it's our job to teach our kids not to be assholes yes
1: so i'm gonna say i was in grade five or grade six because i remember what school it was and i was on the playground and we were trying to play some kind of like it was probably boys chase girls you know that game you used to play at recess yeah catch them, put them on the bench and then i don't know whatever <laughs>
0: but um, don't fill in the blank here we're talking fifth and sixth grade <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like, what were you going to do with me when you caught me and put me on the bench, right?
0: Yeah, that's it. You're just benched. That's all.
1: Yeah. So I remember this boy chasing me. And again, this was when I was overweight and my fitness wasn't the greatest. And him yelling something at me like, oh, you're so fat, Flipper. And he called me Flipper, the dolphin. Do you remember Flipper, the dolphin? I do. I do. But you know what? I look back now and I'm like, number one, dolphins are so intelligent. And
0: Flipper was like, we loved Flipper because- I know. That's- (laughs) (laughs) It'd be different if you called me like a beluga
1: whale or something. But
0: but (laughs) anyways, it He wasn't smart. He didn't even know what type of like large mammal to call you. Yes. But you know what?
1: that stuck with me that there was and he was that popular cute boy that people were chasing and wanted and it stuck with me that this boy was making fun of me aches I couldn't run then he calls me an animal and he used the word fat Mm. and I remember actually going to the gym thinking I'm going to prove this guy wrong that I'm not fat and that word fat has stuck with me for the majority of my adult life
0: that makes perfect sense why you just use the word plump instead of fat you were like it's the first thing that came to my mind i love the word but i feel like people's natural reaction would just use fat but now you just you dug it up yeah so
1: that's the one sticking point where body image uh, became an issue for me
0: So 15 is your first gym membership. You go in, you're like, mom, I see this magazine. I want to be like this. Yeah. And what do you start? Do you just like go crazy? You just go ham on the workouts?
1: Well, you know what, like I hit it really good actually until just last year. So I'm 35 years old and nobody really knew that I was struggling to the extent that I was over the last 20 years. So when I was still living at home, it was a little bit more difficult to try to get too extreme because you know, my parents were cooking the food and most of it is all about nutrition, right? So I I built a good foundation with gym exercises and researching and talking to trainers and really learning at a young age how to train without actually hiring a personal trainer and, you know, picking up that fitness magazine and, you know, how to do a dumbbell curl and how to do proper sprints and all of that, right? So from 15 until 20, I would say my main focus was just the gym, 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 gym. And I didn't realize the importance of nutrition at that point. Um, But that's when my binge eating did start to kind of take off a bit. I remember trying to do diets and restricting and then not understanding that restricting calories actually was causing my body to overcompensate and then start to binge eat. So I would say the binge eating started
0: around the same time, like 15, 16 years old. And when you would binge, and this is, this will be a really super personal question because I've never experienced, right? So for me, my recovery is, oh, well, it's a lot about a lot of crazy shit, but it's also about drinking a whole ton. So is, is, it, is it similar to an alcoholic when you say that you binge eat and that you have a little something and then all of a sudden you're just like, I just ate the whole bag? That's a really good question.
1: And it, it, it's exactly the same thing. It's just the substance is different. So when you have someone who struggles with alcohol, they can't just have one sip or one beer so with my eating disorder i cannot have one cookie to be honest and it's a progressive disease just like alcoholism as well so my disease took me to the point where one box of cookies was never enough and it was just the minute carbohydrates sugar and processed food hits my brain I've often said when I was in the depths of the living hell, someone would have to restrain me and put me in handcuffs to stop me from continuing to eat. Wow. Yeah. So you know what, that's the best analogy I've tried to explain to people is um, I find society has a a better understanding of drugs or alcohol. Food really is no different for many people. I'm not saying everyone who has an eating disorder struggles in that sense, but that's what my eating disorder looks like. And these days, there's a lot of foods I just can't consume because of that.
0: And you mentioned carbohydrates, sugar, and processed foods. So would you find yourself... If you were in a situation going, and I guess now in recovery, right? If you go out to dinner with your friends or, or we're going to talk about dating, go out to dinner with a new guy. uh, Do you have, is it something where, again, I'll liken this to my situation where I go in and I'm always offered alcohol and I'm like, I don't want to friggin' drink. But so if you have that relationship with food and you're in a restaurant, it's like, that's what they're serving is food. So is it all food? Or can you go in and say, Hey, I'm going to have a piece of salmon and be able to just have a piece of salmon?
1: Yeah. So I'm at a really good place with my recovery right now. If I know I'm going out to be social with friends or a date, I do research in advance. So what I'll do is I'll look online and look at the menu. And I will know before I go to the restaurant that I'll have like three or four healthy options to pick from and I've gotten pretty vocal in my recovery. If there is no option on that menu. I have to speak my truth. I just have to say, you know what, this restaurant just isn't going to work for me. Can we go somewhere else. And I've had to say that and you know what most times or not, people are being so supportive because the person who's across the table from me can eat whatever. So it's not that big of an issue for them, right? So I have learned to be prepared to keep myself safe before I even walk through the doors of any restaurant. And nowadays with a lot of food allergies, I can usually find something on a menu and I don't hesitate if I have to ask the waitress to put a dressing or a sauce on the side because I'm unsure of like what might be in it, they're totally okay with it. I've learned how to navigate and just be prepared
0: before I go into any social setting. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about recovery, again, recovery is not just about substance use disorder or alcohol. Recovering is really waking up and saying, I want to live a better life. I want to do what's best for me. I want to be the, the best person I can be and live in a positive and offer that to myself and to others. And to be able to wake up. This is something I've always experienced. I already can't have blah, blah, blah. So I want to go and I'm going to go like indulge, right? So for me, I don't know if you've experienced this with alcohol, if it not being an issue for you, I turned to food because I was mad that I wasn't allowed in my mind until I got through my addiction, I wasn't allowed to have alcohol. So if I'm not going to have alcohol, I'm going to have sugar and I'm going to have cake and I'm going to have, and I went batshit crazy, and could easily fall into that so how do you do you have it do you, have you noticed that you're trading your addiction to from food to something else
1: um you know i've never struggled with alcohol because um alcoholism does run in my family so i think i knew from an early age like ooh, especially with a stressful job as a police officer i knew that if i tried to have a beer after a shift It could probably lead to more. So I'm grateful that I was self-aware to know that alcohol could be a problem for me. Now in recovery, I'm learning that sometimes when I'm trying to avoid a certain feeling or emotions, lately it's been technology, you know, like social media or even these dating apps. And I'm like, hold the horse here. There has been moments where I'm like, I just need to take that app off my phone for a couple days and get back to my self care and get myself grounded again, because it's so easy just to sit on your phone and just swipe. And you're like, oh my God, two hours have gone by.
0: This is ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And that's ridiculous. Even when you're not dating. (sighs) (laughs) Since we're talking about dating, let's get to it um, and then come back to fitness. So have you ever been married? Never been married, been single
1: most of my life. Um, my most serious relationship was just over a year and a half. So wow. yeah, I have not really had much luck with love. But how could I when I was just so obsessed with my body, the gym, and food? You know, any good man would be like, you're fucking crazy. I want nothing
0: <laughs> to do with you. And now I can see that, right? Because of your fitness, you think because of your... You were so into that. All your time was consumed. You didn't really have time for relationships. No, it just, I, I'm not getting like too personal
1: here, but when you get your body into that shape, your, your body fat levels are so low. So I mean, the hottest man. So the hottest man in my world is Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel could walk by me and I'd be like, like no sex drive. Depression is super high anxiety because my hormones are basically shut right down, right? So to have any type of relationship energy or intimacy wasn't happening for me. And I know that's very common amongst many people in that fitness world is you're just so fixated on food and exercise, everything else takes a back seat. It truly does.
0: Yeah, that's tough. So fitness, dating, you haven't, not a lot of relationships. Right. You're open to finding someone to spend time with and be your person?
1: Yes. During COVID. (laughs) So I'm actually very open-hearted and minded to dating for like the real first time in my life because I'm not obsessed with fitness and there's a pandemic going on.
0: So how long has this not been obsessed with fitness been going on um so
1: active recovery started in october of 2019 it's very new to me um so almost a year my last and final fitness competition was august of 2019
0: wow that was not long ago
1: yeah it's a year ago yeah so this is all new to me
0: oh my gosh i didn't realize you were so fresh
1: yes yeah
0: Run us through some of this fitness situation. You're T-tiny. I mean, you're 15 years old and decide that's when you want to go to the gym. You, yeah. You're self-taught in the sense of the right way to actually utilize workout equipment to work your muscles finding what nutrition means, and then you're just obsessed with it for the first 20 years of your life?
1: Yeah. From, fi- from 15 until 35, it was just, you know, there were some, some years in there where I wasn't so obsessed. You know, I fell off the wagon and then the binge eating would take a forefront. And then when I wasn't active in my eating disorder, I was active in the fitness. I believe it's called addiction interaction disorder. So those are my two addictions. Binge eating, number one. And when that's not taking over my life, the fitness was. Hence, I can go up and down in weight very easily. I mean, like 50 pounds dropped or gained in four or five months. Like It's not healthy because I can go from such a restrictive eating regimen to full-on eating McDonald's every day, multiple times a day.
0: And that is something worth discussing when it comes to behavioral health, to know that you can work so hard in a situation to get to a place of success, whatever that measurement is for you in fitness, to say, fuck it, I'm going to have a Big Mac.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It is so common amongst male and female fitness competitors um, for instance, after my last fitness show behind the stage. So at the actual venue where the competition is, they're giving out chocolate bars and cake and junk food because they're looking at it as you just dieted and trained for, you know, sometimes four to five months. So strictly now you get to treat yourself. But what people don't realize is the amount of damage that's been done at a physiological level at that point, the minute you start eating that junk food again, you cannot stop. So binge eating is very common amongst fitness competitors because they can go, that willpower will get you so far. But the minute you introduce that food again, your body is just going to store it as fat because it doesn't know what to do with it. So I swore to myself that this would never happen to me again. And I had an eight month relapse of just binge eating. And I do believe that it is a disease of the brain because science shows there's a dopamine hit with the sugar. And once you get a little bit of a hit, you just cannot stop. You can't stop.
0: So the binge eating is being, you're fulfilling this brain request of dopamine essentially. But I'm hearing sugar. So, is it specific to sugar, or is it just food? When I hear, I'll tell you what's happening in my brain right now. I'm hearing binge eating, and so in my mind, what that means to me, no one like I don't have an issue. Like I probably do, but I don't realize it because what I think of as binge eating is like, oh, I'm I'm hungry, so I'm going to just go get a little snack, and my little snack then turns into the entire bag. So I just ate a full bag of sour cream and onion and potato chips, and then binging to me would be like, and now I'm going to throw some marshmallows on top of it. And then I'm going to have a cheeseburger and then I'm going to have, and it's like nonstop. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, I mean, is that correct? Are those the exact things that you were doing? I mean, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head around exactly what binge eating is, because what yeah. I'm also hearing is maybe an addiction to sugar specifically.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the science is just coming out about food addiction and sugar addiction. And trust me, it is a real thing. I've lived it. So there's a difference between emotional eating. And I really do believe every human being has emotionally ate in their life.
0: Hondro Right. So...
1: Uh, when, it comes, when it comes to the psychological aspect of things, you just have to ask yourself, is it causing mental distress? So my binge eating would look like this. Um, my intention would be, okay, I want to have a little bit of sugar to feel good. So I'm looking for that dopamine hit. I never drank alcohol. I never abused alcohol. I never got into drugs. It could have easily been a heroin addiction. It could have easily been alcohol for me me it was sugar so what happens is when i'm feeling you know you know the halt right hungry angry lonely sad depressed whatever i go to the sugar because it actually makes me feel good in that moment but then the addiction part comes in and it's like i cannot stop at one chocolate bar so I don't keep a lot of... I call them drug foods. I don't keep drug foods in my house, especially in early recovery. I just
0: couldn't. And I live alone, so super easy for me. Oh, yeah. So you can manage that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I would just have to say... Like, I guess the best way of saying it is complete abstinence. I don't necessarily like the word abstinence, but for me, it's I have to stay away from the sugar because I just can't stop the floodgates open. So it would, this is what recent, so four months ago was my last binge. And it was like, okay, I just want to buy a chocolate bar, go to the store, get a chocolate bar and come home. And it was like back into the car I go and then it's drive-through after drive-through and then going to the grocery store and loading up with more chocolate and more chips. And it, and it and the only thing that really would stop me was when I was so physically sick, my stomach just couldn't take it anymore. Or you actually just pass out. You're like, I'm done with the day. I feel so gross. I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. So it's just eating to the point of getting so high on food. And I have gotten to that point where you just feel so high and so good even though, you know, the consequences of it. Like I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling so bloated and gassy, but I just needed to fill that hole in my soul and in my heart. And for me, that was always food.
0: Yeah. This is so interesting. It's literally my life, but alcohol. Yep. Same thing. Like just fill that void for that minute. Can't have one. got to go have more. Let's stock up. <laughs> yeah. So now with, um, this might be, if it's not your, if it's not, if you don't under if educate me is what I'm trying to say. If you don't have the answer, then let's not just make shit up. So, <laughs> cause I do. So that's binge eating in a nutshell. Also there's other diseases are we considered are these considered diseases am i using the right terminology yeah
1: you know it just it depends on the person i mean i i look at it and say yeah it is a
0: disease of of the mind and the brain yeah okay so what i'm thinking of what else is coming to mind um, with eating is bulimia and anorexia right if you don't mind, and obviously not coming from a professional, but just someone who's experienced eating disorder in her life, can you give me sort of the layman's terms of what the difference is between what you experienced and with anorexia and bulimia?
1: Okay. So I am like a unique case. I've had anorexic tendencies, and that would be when I'm exercising and I restrict. So I never looked
0: anorexic because I had the muscle mass and I was working out. So what would anorexic be considered? So when you have anorexic tendencies or you say that you were restrictive to be anorexic-like, what does that mean? Like I mentioned,
1: I have the body dysmorphia. So I would be looking in a mirror. So my heaviest ever was 220 pounds. So when I'm 120 pounds at 10% body fat and I look in the mirror, I see an obese 220-pound person. So with many anorexia individuals, it's that mind body brain disconnect as what they're seeing so therefore they're going to restrict and not eat um but i could never starve myself for very long some and, and i've met many anorexia individuals in my recovery and some of them can go days or weeks without eating i could never do that so that's where i would never fall into the actual um diagnosis of anorexia But my mindset would think that I am obese when I'm actually way underweight.
0: So the next step would be to starve yourself essentially or to restrict drastically. Yes. And your mind doesn't allow you to do that. But if you were an anorexic or or suffering from anorexia, that would be something that you just are like, okay, now I'm not eating forever. Yeah. Yeah. And then bulimia, what I think a bulimia is, is you eat a ton and then you go throw up.
1: Okay, which is true, but um, I was classified as exercise bulimia. So bulimia is really, you have that binge eating component, but then you have a purging component as well. Ah, purge. Yeah, and what people don't understand is that purging does not always equate vomiting. Most of the time, it, it, it is that, right? Where someone will binge and then they will force themselves to throw up. Mine was purging calories through exercise. Mm. Another method, some people, and I have uh, done this in the past too, is abuse laxatives and water pills in a way of expelling excess excess calories, which it doesn't do anything. That is um, a myth. It's I honestly think I read that in a magazine, to be quite honest, at a young age and that's how I thought abusing laxatives might make me thin Ugh. and it does nothing but cause gastrointestinal issues. So bulimia really is the binge, eat- binge eating followed by a behavior that expels the extra calories.
0: I'm so glad I asked the question because obviously I um, was ignorant and had zero idea and just made shit up based on what I think I know.
1: Lovely. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that. And, you know, it is what it is. Like people will find their, if, it, if it's bulimia, if it's not throwing up, it could be exercise and um, it's just as serious.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think again, when you don't experience things, you just make up either what you've heard, what you've read, what you want to hear, what you think, you know, and that's why we do this show is to educate and um, tell stories and in a, in a real way that we're not freaking out that we said the wrong thing or that we're offending anyone because that mm-hmm. is not the intent. So if we happen to offend anyone, it's not the intent. We're just trying to learn and teach. <laughs> yeah. Don't take it for Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not here. That's This is not the place. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys, how awesome was that? Christine dug deep. I am so honored that she chose the recovery hour. To tell her story and I can't wait for you to hear the rest. We have another episode upcoming so make sure you subscribe and you will get automatically notified when it is ready for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful, since I've. And spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.